Artisans of the Verse. Today is August 17th, 2951, and welcome to another episode of ReadCast. We're a weekly Star Citizen podcast sponsored by the Read Organization. I'm your host, Way Too Geeky, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. Uh, he might not need an introduction, but he usually needs you to repeat the question. Mr. Chekhov. Say hello, Chekhov. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and then, con- uh, contrarily, or... On the opposite side of things, that uh, uh, doesn't matter. It's an end of day Tuesday. We've got the man with all the questions. Mm-hmm. Say hello, Seagard. Hello, Seagard. <laughs> so, uh, another week. We're halfway, a little more than halfway through August. Um, what have you guys been up to this past week, Seagard? I have not had. Um much luck since about last Wednesday. I've had repeated crashes after uh, taking off ships, and luckily I haven't had a lot of cargo on board, but um, I can't remember a time when I uh, have successfully cleaned, completed a flight since last Wednesday. So wow. I think I've, I think today I was on and given it another try, and it's been... Today it was the M2... Um, got to a place, tried to land, and then it crashed the desktop. A Taurus was yesterday. Um, for that was the Nomad, and then the freelan- or then the uh, Freelancer, and then the Taurus tor- uh, again. Mm. So it's just everything I'm flying just seems to lead to a crash. Um, wow. The only thing I've been able to do, I played a little bit in the arena with race uh, racing. Uh, oh, nice. In preparation for the event we had on Saturday, and then got a power outage, and <laughs> so I couldn't play. <laughs> and then I had, uh, I played the, um, yeah, that's kind of it. That's it. You know, I played a little Arena Commander to, to get a little used to the weapons. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Did did you end up? So you're saying you didn't actually participate in the event this weekend because you no, crashed? I, I joined. I did join, and then literally as we were getting queued up in the menu to rejoin as a group, my power went out in my room. The house was fine, um, but for some reason, uh, lightning had taken out my room, and I reset the circuit breaker, but I was really like, yeah, I don't need to reshock my system again. I'll just burn it up, so I just stayed off. Oh, that makes sense. That stinks. Yeah. Sorry to hear that happen. It is what it is. Yeah. Such is life. Uh, what about you, Chekhov? What have you been up to? Oh, I actually did a bunch of stuff. I don't even know where to begin. So much going on. I've uh, really gave this new patch a good run. Watch a bunch of videos, got a bunch of tips. So uh, anything from the new uh, mining and refining exploit, which, you know, Again, uh, a, w- a word of warning. That's not something that you should be doing and exploiting this game. But it, for science, I did manage to replicate the work order three times yesterday. Oh, wow. With three clicks. So it does work. Uh, also, really kind of experimented with a bunch of binds, rebinds to figure out uh, different settings on the joysticks. So I have some things to share there. Maybe I'll leave it f- for the science section because there's also some tips on loadouts uh, and capacitors that I've been experimenting oh, with. Excellent. Good stuff. 
Um, sounds like a productive week. I myself didn't play that much. I've been kind of relatively quiet for me. I think the summer is really kind of doing me in. Um, plus, it's just been so busy. But um, I did get a chance the other day to play a little bit of... Um, I was trying to do some hauling and I was trying to see, you know, if there's been any changes to the commodity alerts and if they're more effective or not, or if they're about the same. So we can talk about my results in for science, but um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I did. Um, that's besides that's all my days too. Yeah. I wanted to, um, I wanted to do the, um, the nine tails lockdown, but I didn't didn't have a chance. I had to leave at the time that it. Oh, we did we did that too, by the way. Oh, nice. We, yeah, we did it. it. Tell us about it. Oh, it was uh, well. Uh, it, it's it's very lengthy. Uh, it, you can actually uh, hold your own there. You mm-hmm. know, even with the loadouts, even if your loadout is not exactly on. Uh, Mm Because you have a whole bunch of different ships coming out, and uh, they're constantly scanning, and there's they they come out about three at a clip, Uh, Mm -hmm. so it's it's manageable. There were three of us, so what we decided to do test out the smaller ships, Uh, just put all the laser repeaters on and went at it. So with three of us, we managed to hold our own and actually finish the mission. But money wise, uh, if you're looking to make money. It's totally opposite of what the uh, uh, the the other larger missions were. Oh, Zeno threat. Yes. Oh, no, nowhere near. We we literally, I think, after refueling and restocking, lost money. That's for sure. Oh wow. Yeah. That's what definitely. um, you didn't encounter any uh, PVPers, huh? Uh, well, no, they were. They, they were other players, but we did, did not, no one there were, but you know, going against it. No griefers, if that's what you mean. No, uh, Ninetales, uh, not griefers, they they have a counter mission for pirates. Oh, that, I didn't see, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. No, 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 it was all us. There were other players, but it was against, you know, now that you say that, that we were, that there was a hammerhead, and hammerhead was red. But we didn't touch him, thinking that he was with us, and he didn't really attack us either. So maybe hmm. maybe he was a PvPer. Okay. Well, that where you know. made a mistake by accident, just like you see with the other, with the other game, other game. Uh, yeah, because when it came up, I only had one option. In other words, yeah. to accept the mission. Well, because you have to be unlawful at the time in order to get the other mission. Gotcha. Yeah. And and by the way, just uh, before I forget, so just to um, oh, what was I thinking? So yeah, one of the most annoying things I find that when you're mining, so when you scan the rock, we used to show you right away the percentage even when you were far away. So mm-hmm. you say, okay, I got a five thousand mass, and you know there's twenty percent quantum in it. Well, now you get an absolute number. So it, it you you don't know whether you know it's rich in quantanium or not because it's just a number of quantanium, a number of quartz, a number of corundum, and you have to really get close to take out the mining head, and then you get your percentage reading, which is kind hmm. of annoying. And the other thing, which is also I found annoying, the V 
button which switches the radar on, it can absolutely cannot be bound to your joysticks. Oh, really? At least, at least I have not found a way. Tried every button that I could, could imaginable. And I if believe anyone cigarette. knows a way, let yeah. us know. Please, yeah. If you know a way, please post. Let us know. Um, wow. Well, that stinks. Maybe they'll fix that um, at some point, hopefully. Um, okay, cool. So, uh, sounds like you, you've done a lot, Chekhov. Oh, um, yeah. There's more. Wait, wait till we get to combat. I got more juicy stuff. <laughs> um, so last week, luckily you have some juicy stuff because, um, I, I've got to be honest, the content leading to CitizenCon is not necessarily revving my engines, uh, these days. Um, ISC this week, they talked about PVP and sort of the intention of PVP and, um, you know, and, and how our PVP experience is different because it's a blend between PV, PVP and PVE. Um, and we never know when, when we're going to encounter one versus the other. Um, however, they did say that, um, in a in instances like, you know, if you don't want to PVP, um, there will be more, much more secure areas. Like for instance, and I think it was an example they used, uh, Terra will be hyper secure. Um, and then, you know, places like, um, you know, Pyro are going to be the complete opposite, very dangerous. And then there'll be places like Stanton, which are sort of middle of the road. Um, they also mentioned that um, Jumptown was kind of remarkable since it technically came about because of a bug and became this really interesting emergent gameplay that they're trying to recreate without breaking the economy more. Um, and then last but not least, they mentioned that Ninetales Lockdown is, is, you know, they talked a little bit about how they're trying to use that as a way to promote um, more gameplay for PVPers. Um, which as we already mentioned, it's not really happening that much. Um, as of right now, I haven't heard any, many instances. And then, um, the second half of the episode, they talked about, they showed the updates that, um, are being worked on for arena commander. Uh, and essentially those maps, the big thing there is the play, the play area is getting larger and it looks like there's some, uh, interesting visual refreshes there. Uh, so what it did, uh, do you guys feel the same way I do? Or did, did you guys enjoy the episode? What were your thoughts, Seagard? I kind of enjoyed the, the, uh, the show. I don't think I watched all of it, but I definitely did enjoy some of it. And, um, I thought the, um, the pirate lockdown, you know, I did, did play that the first time and I thought it was pretty good. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, even though I'm experiencing some problems with it, with the game, I I do, you know, I have faith they'll get it fixed. I'm not overly concerned yeah. about it. Uh, but I, I liked the show. I thought it was okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was all right. It just, it's not, it's not the kind of episode that I love, you know, especially, uh, and maybe you can relate or maybe not, but I'm one of those, I mean, you're definitely one of the people that's been around since they had, um, around the verse and that was so much more content rich and then you know over the past few years the 
amount of content we're getting on a weekly basis has, has dropped substantially, and I understand why. But it's sort of a bummer when you have episodes like this where you're like, okay, not yeah. that extensive. But, you know, it, it also means also, that they're saving I mean, a lot. It's also very hard for them to go down, you know, drill into everything. I mean, they mm-hmm. do have to keep some things right yeah. back. But I don't think yeah. that's really the issue. I mean, can you imagine being these guys having to be on the show every couple Every weeks week. And- yeah. Because no one else wants to do it. They're too busy or they're not inclined to get in front of the screen. And, yeah. you know, some of these guys are getting tapped on the shoulder saying, hey, you need to go do it. Yeah. Right. Um, and not they everyone just want to go team, to work. Right? Not everyone yeah. in technology is, you know, the most verbose person. Right. Right. So I do appreciate what they do. And I mean, yeah. anytime they get on at school, I mean, I like, you know, the other day when they had the director, you know, she was talking about her career there. Were the, yeah. The director, they call him. And, uh, yeah, the producer. Producer, that's it. And uh, you know, it's a PM role, and and it was good to see that 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 uh, happy smile and uh, everything else. And and the technical guys, they've got it. You know, they've got it hard. Also, she's she's in there with the technicals. She's clearly mm-hmm. technical to some extent, and uh, um, not all PMs are, but I suspect she is. And uh, and uh, you know. I'll give them hats off to all of them for doing it. And, and you know, yeah. not every day can be about a ship or not every day can be about technology. I mean, it's, I know, I, you know, you know, as, as Chekhov knows, I do status reports and there's just days you're going, okay, give me something. Give me an inch. <laughs> give me <laughs> something we did yesterday that wasn't involved in, you know, going in circles. For four hours trying to figure something out. <laughs> you know, it's the analysis of the work part. Uh, yeah, yeah those things it. are hard. Especially when there's nothing to say and, and you have it every twice a week. It's like, but you're on the stage. You got it's like, feel like you're an actor, right? Right, right. And they're very, they're very integrated as a team. And I, you know, and I know that. You know, they probably go, oh, yeah, boy, he's got that wrong. Yeah, we're the farthest thing. But they are cross, I, I would call, call them cross tower, and they're specializing in areas of technology, but then they're applying that across various elements, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the planetary systems and the, you know, the the um, container, you know, objects and yeah. inventory and art and you know, there's considerations and everything, and the quality shows. It really does. Yeah. You couldn't do that in a stovepiped organization where everyone just builds their own little solar system and 20 solar systems come out, but it's all garbage, and none of it is consistent. I mean, yeah, um, it, it's interesting. It's just interesting. So I, I like what they do, and I try to watch it whenever I can. This week was just a little bit tough. Uh, yeah. I mean... It's true. They they do so much, um, and it is amazing that they they talk about like in in a lot of respects. It's just sort of, um, you know, they're victim of their own success because they gave so yeah. much content early on, and now it's like people got so trained on that, including myself. Um, yeah. Now I've been retrained about what to expect going forward, but then it's. You know, every once in a while, there's sort of the, it's sort of like when we get the game dev episodes, um, 
What about you, Chekhov? What did you think of this week's Inside uh, Star Citizen? I did not catch it because I was all over subliminal and all the other guys just getting all the tips and (laughs) ship ratings and everything else. I didn't watch any of the episodes. Sorry. All right. That's okay. I can tell you about all the ships that he rated from A to E. (laughs) Well, uh, that'll be interesting to hear. Um, The uh, Star Citizen Live, there's even less to talk about, and I'm not trying to bash the team there. It just isn't super content heavy. Um, It was their QA team. Yeah, uh, what a tough about, job. That's a that's not a fun job, I'm sure. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing from that episode that I I picked up was, or not that I picked up, but that came out of it was the fact that QA for them is a little funky compared to some other companies because you need to really know the game inside and out, right? And sometimes they hire they have to hire unconventionally just to get somebody who can, who can do that. You know, you have to sort of be like very detail oriented, very, um, very good at remembering the finer points of things and, um, you know, understanding the inner workings of the game without necessarily having to be super technical. So I thought that was interesting. It just wasn't, you know, an hour's worth of interesting for me. Yeah. What about you, Seagard? I, you know, I, I didn't get to watch that one, but I, mm-hmm. I have watched QA before, and just you know, because I, going back to 2013, quite a few of their senior people have come from the QA ranks. Yeah, it is uh, definitely a stepping stone to move into some of the other areas. So, um, you know, they're not just playing the game all day. I mean, I can, I the closest exactly. I can imagine it is like. It's like in a game where you have to grind, you're grinding to someone else's tune. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're telling you to grind for something you really don't want to do, but you got to do it eight hours a day. But, and, and you got to be pay attention and force yourself to pay, pay attention to minute details. And, and then you got to record everything. And, yep. you know, uh, just, it, 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 I'm sure it's, it's a job like any other job. But, and uh, trying to recreate bugs, I can only imagine, like, because oh, yeah. sometimes the the thing that causes the bug is it's that interplay between the technology um, and your system and all that stuff. So I can imagine right. that being extremely difficult and or frustrating for people sometimes. And I and I don't think they just do Q and A on just like the ships or the planets. I think they also do it on the tools. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the graphical arts tools and the flow tools that they have. I, I wouldn't be shocked. More, right. More than just ships. And, you know, you know how, how do these glasses look on your character? Yeah. No, it sounds like it's full fledged, like yeah. soup to nuts, anything yeah. that they are responsible for. Well, despite this week being a little less exciting. Um, I'll phrase it that way because I shouldn't be so For negative. For me, I was just busy. I would have watched it. But yeah. I've just been very busy. I mean, I will say you're not going to miss much if you just <laughs> noobify it. Um, well, I don't even watch honest. I didn't even watch any of that this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, this week should be a little bit more engaging from my perspective at least because um, ISC is going to show us a look at – uh, some of the hospital stuff coming up. I'm hoping 
fingers and toes are crossed that that includes hospital gameplay, not just, you know, information about hospitals. And then, um, and then they'll also, uh, wow, I lost my spot on the page. Oh, they're also going to go behind the scenes of, um, what it's, you know, the process by which they follow for, um, you know, creating a gold standard version of a ship. So that could be kind of interesting to see, you know, what that thought process is going into that since there, you know, we have a few ships that are coming out that have gold standards uh, on the roadmap. And then Star Citizen Live this week is going to be with the new Turbulent Studio. So that could be interesting. They might talk about, um, I'm only speculating here, but they might uh, be talking more about some of the things that they've um that they're working on and, and answer some questions about what they're doing uh, to create more robust landing zones. Cause that's the first step as far as we know, is they're, they're trying to help drive more content in the landing zones we already have before moving out into new landing zones. So that, that should be pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Seaguard question for you. Have you, uh, have you thought of a, ship to ship comparison for us this week. Oh, what happened? The willow cigar. Oh, I'm on mute. I'm sorry. Yes, oh. I did. <laughs> and I, I think we're going to compare a couple of the middle of the road fighters. I won't say middle, middle of the roads. So one of your favorite, we're going to compare the Buccaneer. Mm. All right. And then we're going to compare the 325i, 325p, right? Is it three? Um, I. Is it 325i? Oh, yeah. p. I don't know. Yeah, the 325. That's all I call it. <laughs> yeah. And then we're going to compare one other one, the Hornet Wildfire. All right. Okay. So. My my take on these fighters, and then you guys dive in again as usual, uh, is that the 325 is you know kind of like a BMW, right? It, but it is a, a high tech you know engineering marvel that is you know made for military purposes, like compete in the military market, and it's always had that statement that it can fire multiple missiles at multiple targets, right? So it can fire, mm-hmm. let's say, two missiles at two targets. And for a while, you could actually do that in the game. Um, it had the Wilson and Ops special fire control system. Uh, it's also a ship that has, you know, three good-sized weapons mount on it, all of which can be uh, turreted. It carries a good missile loadout. It's it's a fast ship, and it's bigger than a small ship. It's bigger than a light fighter, probably on the small end of a medium fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a big fan of it. I think it's a great ship. The On the other end of the spectrum, we have, you know, the Buccaneer, which is really, it's a light fighter with aspects of heavy fighter firepower. Um, but it is small. It's it's fairly agile. I won't say it's the most agile ship, but it is fairly agile and fairly fast. A little bit of a glass cannon, though. Um, 
And having not flown it in the most recent patch, I'm really wondering how, you know, how any of these will match up. And then the last one I said was the Hornet Wildfire. So the Horn- I use the Hornet Wildfire because I think that's the version that most people will end up who have a Hornet. I think that's what they'll build to. It'll be a turreted mount on top, which is controlled by the pilot. It'll have some kind of mm-hmm. uh, bigger center nose cannon, maybe fixed, maybe gimbaled. And then two gun, two wing cannons, right? And it carries eight missiles. Um, it also comes with armor that's not currently in the game right now, um, but it is the slowest of the bunch, uh, but probably the toughest of the bunch. So, um, I I would I would say that I would I would like to see the three twenty five be the best, but I actually think that's probably the I think it's probably the best average ship of the three. In other words, it does everything pretty well. It's got a little bit of technology, a little bit of maneuverability, fair amount of speed, and it's got decent shields and uh, reliability. Um, mm-hmm. The Buccaneer, I would say, is probably going to be a more temperamental ship, but when it's kitted out, it's right the right way. It's going to have devastating firepower. Um, and the ability to end a fight quickly. Probably not a lot of staying power. Um, I also really question its range, what its range is going to be like in the game. Um, Sure. And then the third one is the Hornet, which is the only ship that's designated as a carrier ship. Right? It is a carrier fighter. It's robust. It's got, you know, decent shields. It's got arguably as good a fu- potential for firepower as the buck. It's the heaviest, I'm sure, of the three and the slowest. Um, so I would say from which is most useful in the universe, I would say I'm going to go with the Hornet. I think the cost will be cheaper. I think the usability of it will be better for patrols and for everyday use. I think it'll be more readily replaced. Um, and the operating costs will be cheaper. So mm-hmm. that is my thoughts. So what about uh, you guys? Uh, take it away, Chekhov. I am not Mr. Fighter uh-huh. here. So Well, definitely a buck. I'm uh, a lover. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, for me, you know, because that's one of my favorite fighters, and actually in this particular patch, uh, I, you know, I, I could actually share it since we're talking about the buck. I would probably share the my experimental loadout that I'm about to try uh, because what I what I'm doing is I'm it has well it has a you know two fixed uh, size threes has a fixed size four and you can gimbal the size ones because you know it doesn't matter they're the lowest so might as well so that's what I like to do and. I actually bought rebinding my triggers now, so I have completely separate control. So I'm putting on the size ones ballistics because even the uh, the yellow jackets they'll give me a decent amount of ammo. Uh, so they're about 220 each. So if I can use it sparingly as my secondary weapon, so like a kill weapon, because they're still pretty powerful even in size one. So the, the laser cannon is the fixed S4, the M6A. And I actually stripped um, Amniski's, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing correctly, nines from 
the Max from Freelancer Max because I also heard that these weapons in this particular patch are also overpowered. They're also this laser cannon. So I'm going in there with three laser cannons and the ballistics for the kill. So I'm just really curious how that loadout will will work. So I'm going to be testing it out. Maybe I can report next week on it. But as far okay. as the ships, yeah, I, I mean, I love the, the 300 series that, you know, I always wanted to actually love the 350R, but certainly 325 is, it, it's a really, really close contender to the buck. Hornet, I can't say much because I really did not have hands on, but from what I understand, the much slower ship, not as an edge. Yeah, yeah, it's 185 meters per second versus 280 in the buck and 225 in the, yeah, the and, 325. And I can tell you that would totally kill it for me because this is what I actually hate about the Vanguard. But at least the Vanguard's got, you know, the, the staying power. But when you have a smaller fighter and, and it's so slow, I mean, that would be probably a no-starter for me. Well, it's funny. It's funny. The I see the speed being less of an issue now because if if both players are willing to engage... The only disadvantage the Hornet has is the ability to disengage, mm-hmm. right? But once you're in the dogfight, either you're jousting or whatever. In fact, like you know, like Flavius did to me, he just basically sat still in his ship, and I buzzed yeah. by him all day and got shot down, right? Um, that that toughness that comes with the Hornet, and you know, just may make it powerful enough to keep the guns on the like a um, uh, either of the other two fighters in a dogfight. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. slow and circles and, you know, fires missiles and always has guns pointed at you. It's kind of a dangerous thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, the 325 is interesting because, oh, you know, it's funny. The 325 and the Hornet are almost identical in weight. They're within 1,000 uh, kilograms. Whereas the, the Buccaneer is 40 kilograms. It's half the weight. Um, and, uh, you know, the rates of turn are actually, the Hornet is the slowest in almost every category um, for turning in any direction. But um, I would say that the Buccaneer is, is better than the 325, but not a whole lot better. Um it's really kind of interesting. Um, I just think the Buccaneers are more agile. It's got more snappy response to it based on the speeds I'm looking at. Um, hmm. Firepower wise, you're right though. You, I mean, that big, if you can put a big gun on top of it, so can the Hornet. Um, I think the one that loses out there is probably 325. Uh, but I think the Hornet and uh, a Buccaneer will be an interesting matchup once the armor is in the game. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing that's really gonna. I mean, they they keep calling it what apocalyptic is their description of what it's going to be like when when we yeah. have all those changes. Yeah. So you know, obviously, I, I think that's a bit dramatic, but in the sense that you know we will be relearning some stuff, yeah. which I find exciting, even though I'm not the biggest combat player anyway. I personally. I actually like of that grouping. Now, granted, once again, not a big combat person, 
Hornet's not bad. It's just a little slow. I find it to be pretty um, powerful. Um, I haven't had success in the Buccaneer, to be honest, and I know you like it so much, and that's probably down to my really bad um, fighter pilot skills. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, that that can lend itself very much so to not the best um, playing, <laughs> but, mm. uh, you know, I they all seem to be relatively well-matched. I, I, um, aesthetically origin is my preference there, but right. they're all pretty nice and they all seem to serve their purpose. And I, I haven't played any of them in this patch, but I would imagine they're even closer to purpose now. Yeah. Now, one thing that's interesting in the description show, like I mentioned, the Hornet is a carrier fighter and in, in our, in our real world, the carrier fighters are very different than normal fighters. Uh, for example, a carrier can land on the ground. It can also land on a carrier that's moving, you know, 30 knots and they're able to fly slow enough and have durable enough landing gear to take that severe impact on the deck and all the electronics and everything are capable of withstanding that, that ripping the ordnance off the wings of the airplane. Um, you couldn't take an F-15 and land it with any degree of confidence on an aircraft carrier. So I suspect they will have to have some ability that's granted the, to carrier-based aircraft um, that allows them to, let's say, move, land on a moving aircraft carrier versus just landing on a stationary ship or a dock, right? Um, or maybe there's an automatic recovery system they use or something. I think it could be a, a big... You know, it makes, I think that capability, just um, like being a general all-rounder, can make a fighter valuable. Um, it's availability. You know, everyone laughs at the Aurora LN, but, you know, the recovery time on it is two minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> you lose one two minutes later. It takes you longer to walk down to the terminal than it is it takes you to, to you know, to get out of bed and walk down to the terminal than it does to get the ship. You know, yeah. <laughs> The cost and everything is is low. Um, I think but these are all going to be factors. If, if there was ever a theme to a patch, it's all this. This patch is all about group play. I mean, literally, if you're joining the game now and you're out there and you're single, I I don't see like if you don't turn to someone right away, I don't even see how you a would enjoy the game or even survive. I mean, I would be completely lost as a new player and would not have any fun at all. And 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 that includes not only the 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 combat combat a hundred percent. I mean, right now, you know, the this the the dual play, you know, with the turret is superior to any single light fighter by mm -hmm. far. But but also mining. I mean, we were you know right now I'm having a hard time mining alone because the rocks are not stable. When we were doing it with Flavius the other day, it was so smooth. You know, we were cracking them, huge rocks, you know, very stable. Yeah, I think uh, they're really pushing us to, to really, or encouraging to do anything that we do here as, as a group. Yeah, certainly to get to higher levels of, um, like, the, to build funds faster and to share knowledge faster, the group has a big advantage. And, and certainly 
multiplayer ships with the new turret and weapons capabilities are a contender now. They're definitely a contender. I think when you yeah. add the other the other mission or the other purposes for the crew, like you know, a dedicated scanning guy or a dedicated comms guy, an engineer that's dedicated. Um, I think it's going to go through the roof. How much enjoyment you can have with the crew? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's it's going to be really interesting when when that stuff comes together finally. Um, you know, I I haven't played in a group since the PTU, but I mean, group play was just dramatically more fun than it had been um, prior. So like it gives me great hope that no matter what happens, um, they'll be able to balance that out long-term and make it viable because that was my big fear is like people might not want to crew a ship. Right. And I, you know, I, I don't play this game for, um, you know, playing by myself. (laughs) Right. I I could do that with any, any other game and be satisfied. It's, it's more than that. So, yeah, we need to cool we need stuff. to take a we need to take a Connie out and uh I know I think that would take be out fun. that take out the um snub fighter the P P fifty two the one with yeah, the gatling cannons yep and do some uh stuff with that because that's you know Chekhov you'd have a blast with that that's a big yeah. cannon I know I, I wonder how those. much ammo it has though you got two laser cannons so. Yeah, so laser cannons. Oh, it still has laser cannons on it? I didn't it has know. one on each wing. I think they're size two. Oh, that's good. Yeah. They oh, may be size so that, ones when they're gimbaled. So. That makes it kind of interesting. It might even be a... I mean, people were saying it's, you know, it's still not a perfect combat vehicle, but that, or, you know, ship, but that it's it can change the dynamic of a fight. Absolutely. And the Connie's no slouch. I mean, it's got some... Yeah. The, especially the uh, uh, Andromeda has got two good-sized turrets with good weapons, and then it has, what, four forward-firing size threes or something ridiculous mm-hmm. with a gimbal? Yeah. Plus the... Um, yeah, the, I'm, I was And enough missiles to supply your entire <laughs> fleet needs for a week. Yeah. It it definitely seems like a much better ship now, and that's without it having its um, gold standard pass yet. So yeah. that's good. Another hopeful thing for people, yep. you know, is that that's going to get balanced in a way that's really you know keeping it a, a viable ship. Um, so uh, we've reached that section of the episode. You know which one? It's time for science. Weird science. Weird science. My favorite movies as a child. As a child? Yeah. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was a teenager. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. I was born that. in 62, so. But wasn't weird science in the 80s? Weird, weird science? Yeah. Yeah. No, With, I, thought uh, it was, I thought it was... Well, I was what, in high school and I graduated high school in eighty and college in eighty five. Oh, yeah, five Good years. Point. You know, oh, it's oh, so oh. funny when you when what was, you think about it that way. 
Seagal was what, what Seagal's was sister. The, of the actress? Kate, not Katie Seagal, but uh, her name is no, Seagal. No, something with a back, I thought. B? No? Uh, where it's... Uh, no. uh, maybe I'm thinking of who's something the, else. Who's the martial artist guy who went to Russia? Seagal, right? Yeah, Steven yeah. Seagal. Steven Seagal's sister. That's who it is. Yeah. I don't even know who that is, his sister. Oh, you would if you saw her. Huh. Um, so what did uh, what did you guys do for science? Why don't you start us off, Seagard? Um, okay, so I I did um, I did a little bit of testing like you did with logistics, just a little, not a lot, and I ran one or two runs when I was able to carrying supplies, but I compared it against uh, the SC trade tools and. It was very accurate. Did a good job. I was pleased with the way the tool's operating. And I've kind of, someone pointed it out to me a while back, and there was a couple other ones we were using at the time. And I definitely am glad that, you know, I'm using that one right now. It's uh, it's a good, it's a good tool. It's well done. It's the only one I know of right now that updates off of the actual data files that are published with the game. Um, so they import the data, you know, anytime there's a change and, uh, keeps it up to date. So that was mine. And I highly recommend looking at SE trade tools if you're in logistics, uh, area. Excellent. Um, just for those who were curious, it's Kelly LeBrock and Kelly LeBrock. Kelly LeBrock. Not, not, I, I, I said I'm sorry. With the B, but you're it's right. really with you're an right. L. She was his <laughs> wife, not his sister. Oh, unless, was she? Unless uh, she was a sister wife, you know. <laughs> if you divorce your sister, is she still your? If you divorce your wife, is she still your sister? <laughs> um, what about you, Chekhov? You you seem to have a lot of things. Uh, well, just uh, uh, some of it is, uh, as I said, I don't think it's appropriate. Kind of, we talked about it. It is an exploit, but uh, nonetheless, it kind of works. So. It required some testing and experimenting. So when you put in your work order, and apparently when you choose, well, so far I was only able to replicate it on the fastest method, which yields the lowest. Um, and if you put, as you put in the work order, and if you click very quickly with your left mouse on the work order button, it will replicate it sometimes twice, sometimes three or four times. So that seemed to have worked for me once, uh, only on that fastest method. But again, it is reported. Uh, it's a, it's a exploit that's been around since 3.13. It was supposed to be fixed in 14. So it is an issue council, um, you know, so probably will be fixed shortly. Uh, some other things, just, uh, you know, happy to say that Aaron's halo is still abundant with the uh, quantanium. You know, we've literally landed, oh my God, the cluster of six or two, eight rocks just last night. It was, uh, so oh, nice. if you're grinding for money, that seems to be the method right now because ahead of night is virtually non-existent. So the rock ROC play is kind of not there. Um, the uh, 
cargo hauling also seemed to be not not paying out very well either but the bounties i have to say that you know it's definitely has it, the the game is completely different but but it became extremely interesting i mean uh, all the way around even i'm really enjoying mining now just like the whole uh you know sort of a serene atmosphere you're alone in the halo and with these new you know scanning modes where all the rocks are lighting up around you mm -hmm. i mean it's a very very cool environment and i i really like the this whole idea of additional controls that you're getting you know you're scanning more you have to uh figure out your modules you know your your um um uh what i call consumables oh sp oh speaking of module consumable this is probably uh thank god i reminded myself the single most important thing i did for science so i've tested out the um the 30k uh how would you call it a protection against 30k or a hedge against 30k so here's what happened and, and here's how you do it actually uh, this so, is how you do it. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so, Couldn't help myself. That's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I get a little kind of monotone. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> for, for picking this up alone. So uh, when you finish refining your uh, material, right, and uh, you uh, you load it on your ship. So as you as you take off, right, you you come off the pad. You set your quantum point. Let's say uh, I'm going from crew L1. Um, I'm heading back to uh, Hurl L1 to, to or, or let's say Lauraville to sell it. So I set my quantum point to Lauraville, line it up, right? Now, before I, I take off, I actually get far enough, right? So when you hear the voice, thank you for visiting, whatever the... So then you go ahead and request the landing before you take off right so you request the landing and now go ahead and take off so if 30k occurs your ship will be recovered back to where you requested the landing which is crew l1 with all the cargo still on board mm -hmm. so basically you're 100 percent protected against 30k so no matter what happens if you're going to request your landing at, at Lauraville, you're already protected there, and you're protected all the way on the way there because you'll just end up back in Cruel One. But the cargo is 100% safe throughout uh, if a 30K happens. And the same thing works for your modules and consumables. So you know how uh, on the prospector, <clears throat> when a 30K happens and you lose your modules and consumables, so you do the same thing as soon as you take off with the prospector get off the pad and before you quantum out right you set your point then you turn around and request the landing again right now if the 30k happens uh your uh again prospector will be right back to your original uh you know source where you took off with all the modules and uh, consumables on there Okay. So pretty right. long-winded. I, I think I made up today for all the misses on the sciences that I had <laughs> in the previous weeks. 
Hey, it's uh, it's good stuff. Um, I for science pretty much was testing the the viability or I guess profitability of um, some of the cargo alerts, and quite frankly, I didn't even crunch the numbers because it it's still super um, low. You're looking at not being able to fill a ton of cargo. Um, so, you know, you, I, I think it was, I couldn't even fill my ship with, um, it was, um, processed food was the cargo alert and I couldn't fill Mm. my ship up with it, which, you know, I don't know if, if that's just broken or what, but it, you know, I would have assumed if someone is in need of it, like if, if there's an overstock price at a location, that means that they have too much of it. I should be able to fill my ship up if it's overstocked. So the, the logic behind it isn't there. And maybe that's just something that they just don't have it fixed yet or it's not ready yet, but it's a little frustrating because, you know, the feature is there, but it's not really anything to write home about yet. That's funny. I completely forgot that that game loop actually exists. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to remember it exists because it's really not doing much right now. And, you know, I'm sure they'll fix that. And it's all sort of, I feel like they're just setting the stage not to, not to overly geek out or act like it's some inevitable force coming our way. But, you know, it feels like it's all setting the stage for the um, dynamic economy. Just as a a side note, this is not really for science. It's just more like a pitch for those who out there haven't done that lately. I did spend some time in the arena commander and in the the racing uh, uh, area. So I did mm-hmm. some pirates, you know, fight the pirates, fight the, you know, the aliens or, and, uh, and then I ran some races at old Vanderville and I, you know, old Vanderville is working perfectly. If you haven't done it lately, you know, it, I was super rusty, even though I fly all the time. Uh, you know, it took me you know several minutes to get around the track when I used to do it in like 54 seconds, um, you know, back in the old days, you know, two years ago. Back uh, in my day. But I, you know, <laughs> after about three or four minutes of just running laps at low speed, I was able to get that down to about a minute and 10 seconds. And I really was enjoying, I was having a great time just using the throttle, using the brakes, using sliding the ship. You just get a better feel for how the ship handles and I, I flew it in several, but I was focusing mostly on the Mustang Gamma. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you haven't flown that for whatever, I think it's 55 bucks, that is a great racing ship. I mean, it is so much better than than a standard ship. And uh, seriously, I, I really wonder whether the M50 is going to be... I've had both, and I've run them both on tracks. I don't know that it's going to be any worse or any better than the M50, but it's certainly a lot cheaper. So um, can't recommend mm-hmm. that enough. The other thing was um, 
in the arena commander, especially on Broken Moon, I tried out the Cartual and I tried out the Blade, and they are like mm-hmm. totally different ships right now due to the redo. Um, both had lots of firepower. Both are power, you know, by weapons, uh, power weapons, not by ballistics. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Cartual, even though it only has two, I think they're size threes or fours. It was. It just seems like I had an endless supply of shooting capacity. Um, it's still fast. It's still agile. The scenery is great. Broken Moon looks so so good since they did that remake of it. You know, the re they re art it art art. They re uh, designed it, redesigned it. You know, and did new art artist uh, take on it. It just looks so much better. Oh really? I. I thought that wasn't out yet. No, no, there's definitely, it looks totally different. Hmm. Uh, I don't know that I saw any lightning, but the fire and everything just looks so, so good. Huh. Uh, it's not the expanded. It's still the small oh, okay. scale, but I think it's that redone um, version that they drew of the broken planet itself a couple months back. Oh, okay. They showed it to us. Hmm. So I, I can't um, you know, tell you enough. Go try it. You'll have a good time. Um, racing is really fun if you haven't done it with six people. It's a blast. It's it's loads of fun, and it's uh, it, the matchmaking and everything's working because I thought that was an issue as well. No, you can you can go in and race against other people as far as I can tell, but I always just like doing the private party where it's just you and your friends racing. Yeah, and that's loads of fun. I mean, hmm. just, you know, get six friend, you know, six of you, and you timer goes off and you start racing. That's but, uh, go try it out, and uh, I think you'll be surprised. And both tr- and try out both those fighters. The blade is phenomenal. It's it's what I had hoped it would become. It is so so good right now with its four weapons, good range, good maneuverability, good firepower. It's reasonably durable. Um, <clears throat> it's a much better contender now than it was before. You just said contender, and it made me think of chicken tender, and now I'm like, mmm, chicken tender. <laughs> Popeye or KFC? <laughs> I like them all. <laughs> I like the, from, not to get off topic here, but from KFC, I really like the Nashville hot chicken. Even though it's not legit, genuine, but it's like, still pretty good. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm like Eric Cartman, Eric Cartman in South Park. I love the mashed potatoes and gravy and coleslaw for some reason. Oh, me too. They're, I like both of those. <laughs> and that yeah. red beans and rice on, at the, at the, at Popeyes? Popeyes. Oh yeah, I love now, the red beans and rice. How about the dirty rice from Popeyes? I haven't had that. What's that? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't had, either. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, I guess it's uh, like a New Orleans thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah never had it. I've heard it's. I've heard dirty rice is good. I, I yeah, didn't know they good. have it at Popeyes. It is good. Uh, you know, there's one other thing that really changed drastically with the mining play. So you know how mm-hmm. you break the rocks, you know, to its final purple stage, right? Uh, it takes a lot longer right now to rescan them, right? So in other words, you know, when you're done, you want to pretty much figure out. Okay, what what am I doing? What am I picking up? Well, especially with quantanium, it's extremely problematic. It takes a, a very long time to rescan them. 
uh, in uh, actually one of our org members, he literally takes a piece of paper and a pen because of that, and he draws them out as he breaks them up to remember which one has the container. Yeah. Which org member does that? Flavius. I knew it. Yeah. So, but 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 here's the thing. Now you have to be mindful of the modules you put on because there are some modules that would allow you to scan faster and to scoop up faster. So now, yet, yet again, I think what they're doing is they're further sort of making uh, the mining game loop more, you know, more intelligent, you know, more complex. I should say. Think yeah. how powerful that that mole is going to be. Yeah. I mean, How about it's, the Orion. You know, I, I, I <laughs> yeah, could just yeah. imagine, like, I, I honestly, I cannot envision, uh, you know, in five years, new uh, players coming into this game and being able to play. To me, it's almost like you have to go to school to figure this stuff out. I mean, well, this I, is I, a great, this is a great time to pitch the the guide system, which is relatively new. It's only a couple yeah. of years old, and it's an opportunity for those people. Not that, um, not that we're. Uh, I mean, I've signed up for the guide system, but for those people who are new to the game, you have an option at the at the initial screen to be connected with a guide, and it's based on your interests in the game uh, versus what they express that they're good at. Um, so use that. You know, don't if you if you feel like you're intimidated. The one thing that I hear people who normally or people who used to like one of the things that you notice is a lot of people used to critique the game are like trying it out now and are saying, oh, my goodness, you know, um, it's actually starting to shape up to be a game. It's definitely not perfect yet, but I can see the breadcrumbs. I can see the the path that it's going to take. And those people say the same thing. All of them say the same thing. Wow. They have such a great community. People are so helpful. So don't be afraid to ask help. Um, sometimes in chat, it's not as con- it's not as easy. But you know, there's plenty of people who will volunteer help and and uh, we will help you anytime you want. Yeah, come on exactly. over. We'll gladly help you. I mean, there's always someone doing something. Been a little bit exactly. slower lately, but uh, we still you know having yeah. six seven yeah, people on summer- a night typically. The summer really uh, yeah. calms down um, quite a bit compared to the rest of the year, but it now, will start to ramp up. Now, the, there's one more thing, and I don't know if it's my ignorance or not. Uh, you know how you approach the like a uh, Cruel One station, and it drops mm-hmm. you, you know, seventy k away. And I don't think in previous patches you were able to quantum twice. And now in this patch. I can literally quantum to the landing pad. Huh. Second time. I don't know. Is that puts you within ten only? kilometers? How oh, close does it, it put you? Oh, it it puts me on the landing pad. Literally, I'm calling for the pad. Like right now, I'm doing it. I was seventy k away. Right now, I'm asking for the for the landing pad. That yeah, sounds I like a bug to me. Eight thousand meters away. That's it. To be honest, I I think yeah. that's a bug. Yeah, just my guess. Well, it's very convenient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you, do you think it's going to be that convenient, Chego? 
yeah, it would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> like right now, I have a yellow blinking light, and I'm going to make it anyway. Oh, that's good. Um, I can hear your blinking light. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought it was the I thought it was like crickets no, or something. That's a quantanium light. Oh, I hear it too. Um so that brings us to our next segment, Seaguard's question. Oh. Seaguard, do you remember your question or do you want me to repeat? I, you know, it? I don't I don't remember. Okay. I have it here. So question of the week last week was Given what we know about how ships operating costs for quantum fuel and hydrogen fuel costs, what do you speculate on how much jump drives will cost? Do you think any ships will be particularly efficient or hold an advantage in jump travel? So I feel like I need here. Let me just get a a little gulp of water. (laughs) So we got a few answers, a few and extensive um, so as usual, uh, Loon says, I think the right configuration on any ship can be fast or efficient, but you can try to get the best setup for your needs. So to speak, if I use the C2 rented or in PTU, I can do runs for days and still make a very fair profit and still be at about half a tank roll on the floor laughing. If they do change prices, I would like to see them be lowered for a few. Heck, with the Reclaimer and Salvage coming, I would hope to see prices go down. Add to that the new loot stuff. Also, I could see you having a mission from an NPC where you go tow back a ship or scrap off um, wreckage and get the same kind of thing with looting and stuff. Also, add to that the refueling piece. Uh, good God, the prices at the pump are about to drop like a rock, I hope. LOL. So that was Loon. Um, <laughs> Seth Mavros says, I think that dedicated cargoes would benefit from better QT engines from start, and also the bigger the ship, the more efficient the jump will be. Just the opposite with the fuel tanks. Although they will still be bigger, they won't be as effective as for smaller ships then there'll be some ships that will balance ordinary fuel with quantum uh, fuel. Right now, between all my ships, I still think that the Cutlass has the best balance fuel to quantum uh, fuel. I haven't performed proper or fuel and quantum fuel. I haven't performed proper testing on that just uh, regarding the autonomy. Mm. I, I would agree, by the way, I think Cuddy has a pretty good balance. I know I can't say yeah, it has too. the best, but it does have a pretty solid fuel capacity right now. Yep. It's one of the few like larger small ships or is it, it's considered a medium. Yeah. Uh, it's actually a large. It's the first of the largest. I the Connie that, is. No, I'm talking about the Cuddy. Oh, the Cuddy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a medium. Yeah. Uh, for a, for a medium ship, I mean, it's one of the few where it's like pretty easy to get across the entire system and, and still have plenty of fuel. Yeah, I feel the same way. Freelancer, Cuddy. Yeah. Freelancer. I feel like medium ships in general. It is unbelievable. Yeah. But so that's why, that's why I think they may struggle when it comes to jumping. Um, yeah. I, I think the small and medium exceptions in my mind, I think like the whole series is going to be capable of, you know, doing some jumps. 
especially yeah. getting to the the you know the D and E, you know those are those ships are probably going to be um, fuel hogs in state in the system. You know, unless you're flying a straight line, mm-hmm. right? You fly a straight line, you're fine. But as soon as you start maneuvering big mass, you know, of cargo like that, I think you're going to burn up some hydrogen. Um, and I think that quantum jump or the the jump drive is where they're going to really make their efficient use of fuel and lower the cost. I guess we I'm shall hoping. see. Um. Now, uh, Cody, Admiral Cody, uh, says after we actually, he edited after rereading the question, I realized I went on a long tangent about a completely different topic. (laughs) (laughs) So he says my actual answer to the, I wish I knew what the previous topic was. My actual answer to the question is jump drives should be expensive to replace or upgrade. I'm talking about end game pricing, especially for capital ships, anything labeled as a pathfinder or any exploration ship with scanners on the hard points. Should have some special MFD screen that helps you navigate the jump, um, like seeing a 3D representation of a wormhole to anticipate upcoming turns and obstacles, as well as the ability to map it and send slash sell the wormhole data to others. My old irrelevant answer to an unasked question, don't have to read on the show is so there we go it's i got i fished my wish um i still believe that players should be able to buy military graded components in normal retail stores if we use something like a pontus c-grade military drive for example we should have to dig through the wreckage of uee ships um looting which isn't legal um, buy it from private sellers or other players for a hefty price due to rarity and legality of purchase. He's saying like two to three million UEC. Buy from the black market located in lawless areas of space, half a million to a million UEC. After building up a lot of reputation with them, re-enlist or enlist if you haven't beat Squadron 42 in the UEE military for a tour of duty. During enlistment, the rewards will start with a D-grade military components and improve the grade with every promotion to your military career. I'm still I'm still finding, well, how did Cody think this was an answer to the question? <laughs> Cody, you are composing too many things here. <laughs> I'd even extend this kind of gameplay to some high-grade industrial competition and stealth components. The ships with advantage in high efficiency and hydrogen quantum fuel should belong to the player that put a lot of effort in seeking out the good engine and drive for the ship. All right. I feel like he wrapped it in a little bit at the end there. Um, I I guess I agree. I don't know. I don't know how I feel on that subject. Right. Um, Boris Kraken says, I think it will depend on the ship the size of the jump gate, how they actually work. If it's like a charge that gets you in, then you get sucked through the wormhole. Uh, Like everything appears to be going, it'll have three component slots. Good point. Uh, point. And then Wit, um, AKA Cromwell says, I like this, uh, give salvage and resellers a deeper role. I'm guessing that's a response to Cody a little bit. Um, Jandal said, I think the hull D and E will be the supermax cargo vessels of SC. Although it will be expensive to jump through systems with that much cargo, those ships will most likely have the most efficient ratio of fuel to mass carried. Um, That's what I think. I think the speed is not going to be a. Th- I think speed what, is going to be less of a factor than reliability. 
yeah. and cost of operation. Yeah. What about what about you, Chekhov? What are your thoughts? Um, sorry, I was dealing with a red light <laughs> quantanium. I, 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 I 100% had a feeling that was the case. <laughs> um, uh, but so but the, I made it. <laughs> oh, that's good. Congrats. Uh, the question essentially was, uh, what do you, th- you know, um, let me go back to it. So I say, yeah. it right. Um, given how ships currently caught, uh, you know, given the current cost to operate a ship, you know, quantum fuel and, and hydrogen, um, what do you speculate on in terms of how much jump drives will cost? Do you think ships will be particularly efficient or hold an advantage in jump travel? Hmm. Uh, the way the whole thing is heading, I guess. Um, well, it's it, 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 they are already quite expensive uh, because we're we're not earning as much as we used to. So almost anything we do, besides me being able to double up my order again, but that's, <laughs> which is not gonna which last. we do not endorse on the show. <laughs> Yes, we do not endorse that. It was all purely that is not done. an official endorsement. Purely done for science, but yeah, as long as um, I mean the the inflation is really running wild right now, so uh, I think the drives are expensive to begin with. Uh, I mean, quarter million uh, that will you know will take lots and lots of cargo runs at a 2000 profit a piece so yeah. everything is kind of uh is balancing to where it needs to be but uh i i don't know anymore i had that theory yeah. of 30k per hour back in the day um you know that you could earn but uh i i'm not sure i'm really curious to find out what what is their ultimate goal you know yeah. where, where are they trying to get to you know let's say earnings per hour uh and then i guess uh based on that uh, you know how long uh, should it take for you to be able to buy a you know small ship versus medium ship versus capital ship in game i i would say capital ship a year i I, (laughs) i don't know i don't know necessarily about a year personally but i do agree it should be a long long time I think it should take a lot of effort from multiple people. And again, don't get me wrong. Uh, we all having fun doing it. It's not like, you know, we're going to work yeah. here. So, Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to answer the question so slightly different because I feel like I don't know if... So first of all, the first question that comes to mind for me is, will jump drives actually use fuel um and i have this weird feeling that they won't it's um, funny because you when when uh boris said that i hadn't even considered that yeah i just assumed that they would use fuel yeah i have a feeling that they won't personally but because everything else does and they haven't mentioned jump fuel and what that is or if it just maybe it just uses your current fuel the same maybe it uses hydrogen who knows Um, But I have a weird feeling it's not going to do that. Uh, Either way, I think the crux of the question is, are there going to be competitive advantages to certain jump drives or certain ships with certain jump drives? And I think there will be. 
Um, one, as as Cody mentioned, you know, pathfinders are going to be excellent at jumping, whether that's a function of the jump drive itself or something else is to be seen. Um, but they will, I mean, it's undoubtedly going to be the case because the data that they're going to provide is going to help other ships jump more, more effectively and easily. Um, and so maybe it's around something like that. Like, did you buy updated information, um, versus, you know, um, what's the jump drive look like? I think it seems like it's hard to tell, you know, for larger ships, I think most of the jump drives are going to be built into the ship. Um, personally, but it will be interesting to see how they, how they go about, um, varying them. Like, will there, I I would imagine if they use fuel, then yes, some will be more fuel efficient versus, um, maybe they open the jump, jump, uh, gate faster, or they have tighter maneuvering within the jump gate. You know, it's hard to fathom because the way we're thinking about things currently has a lot more to do with um, the uh, the cost of fuel and sort of like whether it burns fuel quickly or retains it longer. And that might not be the factor that a jump drive um, impacts as much as, as, like we said, performance during the jump itself. Anyway, that was a way too long answer. Yeah, um, to that a, question. I understood where you're going with it. <laughs> yeah. I do understand that it. That was a better, better answer than mine, that's for sure. <laughs> no. Um, just different. Um, yeah. Anyhow. And that's actually what I'm kind of, you know, it's a, you know, that one, it was worth asking that question just for the one thing that said, hey, maybe there's no cost. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, mean, that alone is a factor, right? The maintenance cost of the actual device might be, you know, if, if you blow a jump drive, that might be the, the costly piece. Um, right. That I would imagine that to be the case for sure. I think that's an expensive component. Right. And not all ships get a jump drive, right? Uh, correct. Yeah. The snubs don't. Well, even um, like the Cutlass Black doesn't, I don't think, does it? Yeah, it has a jump drive. Does it? Okay. I, not yeah. the QT drive. I Oh. See, that's where I was confused. So we, we, we're talking about a different drive here. It's right. a jump drive versus a QT drive. Right. Yeah, I think I think they have a jump drive. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. Um yeah, but oh you know what? Now I'm thinking of quantum drive too, so I don't necessarily know. Well, and then there's also the whole um the whole component of um, what size jump point a, a ship can go through. And I think that's just mostly based on the size of the ship versus anything else. Right. But that's another, another factor. Um, so it's probably going to be a lot. I, I think jump points are going to, in some ways, um, further increase the use of either carrier ships um, or things like that, just so it's easier to navigate certain jump points uh, and things. Uh, Cause I right. think bigger ships will be more effective at it. I feel like yep. they'll move slower across. I'm pulling up the uh, cutty specs while we're talking just so I can see. Yeah. Um, yeah. They have a jump jump okay. drive. It's a medium sized jump drive. 
Okay. Medium-sized quantum. I feel like most most ships that have quantum drives have jump drives, but not all of them. Like, I don't know about a Hornet slash... That might be like a Hornet being a quote-unquote carrier ship. That might be the thing that makes it a carrier ship in this game. Right, right. I'm actually looking that up right now. So the F7C, for example... Nope, it has a small jump module. So I guess some a lot of them have them. Yeah, interesting. Uh, anyhow, we have a few questions uh, from folks. Uh, first come from Discord. Uh, and it comes from Boris Kraken for the Logistics King himself. Um, for cargo refractoring, they mentioned that ground vehicles will have or ground locations will have a freight elevator. How do you envision this to look? How will this change cargo gameplay? How uh, will it change what ship you fly? As a side note, some questions will need, some locations will need a substantial change as some have no flat area to load a ship. Looking at you, Humboldt. Yeah. So, uh, logistics so how, King, what do you so think? How do I look at that? So I, uh, so one thing I I see is that there there needs to be a, the ability to store some cargo, uh, a relatively you know depending on probably the size of the hangar, um, relative to the size of the hangar. So if I'm going to bring in, um, let's say I'm going to make runs all day with my ship, it may behoove me to have guys on the ground moving cargo from hangars into my hangar. So that when I land, we can all team up and load it. Right? There's mm-hmm. a there's there's a logistics just within the hangar operations. In other words, resupply mm-hmm. of the hangar. That's one. The second part is that I picked up in the conversation they discussed it in was that it's also a way for others to move their cargo to your hangar so they can be transported on your ship. So mm-hmm. I think that's another factor. Um, the part that I didn't see. Um, was how is that going to be impacted on the ground when you land at a place like Humboldt Mines and you need to load, right? Mm -hmm. I can see it taking it from your hangar to market. What I can't see is picking it up. How it's going to, it seems to me it's going to be much um, more manual and much more, uh, difficult to load when you're in a smaller place than a big hangar. Uh, yeah. And I envision the hangers for me, the hangar cargo system. I don't see it as an elevator so much as a crane. I see it as an overhead crane. Um, having worked a few times on, on commercial ports, you know, you have these giant overhead cranes that just move stuff in and out and drop it down you know, with, you know, inches of accuracy. They're extremely mm-hmm. accurate. Um, and I think that would be a great way to do that. Well, they did, I mean, they did say there will be cargo elevators, elevators. to take yep. it to the cargo bay. Yeah. But what they, I mean, you can sort of see in the existing hangar. Now, granted, this can change. This They may change their mind on how they do this. But in the existing um landing pads you can see a cargo um 
crane kind of off to the side yeah um at the top of a hanger so i would imagine that will be part of the functionality to be able yeah. to unload and maybe that's the whole cost benefit of um making deliveries and or picking up supplies from those small locations it might be worth more or they might be the only place that have a limited supply and it's desperately needed in the system right to me if you're moving like you know one or two boxes you know the scu size boxes okay you can throw that on a cart and bring it up an Mm -hmm. elevator um and you know potentially you can move it around and with a couple of people but when you're talking enough to fill like a prospect or not a prospector, a constellation or a freelancer max, that's a big elevator. Right? Yeah. Or it's a lot of runs in the elevator. Yeah. Uh, I think that the efficiency would come from overhead openings and dropping it down with a crane or moving it within a hangar with a crane. So, yeah. Tractor it's- beams on the ships will be a big factor too. Yeah, I agree. It's it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, Mr. Chekhov, what about yourself? Any thoughts? Oh, I thought that was exclusively for Mr. Logistics. Well, just because it's asked of Mr. Logistics doesn't mean you can't ah, answer. Cargo? I, um, I know. I guess the question. Like, I didn't how, think of an answer because I thought. Well, it was yeah, I was like, I, I'm just like flying, thinking where I'm gonna meet Flavius here, and then, <laughs> then you just, you know. But yeah, the, so the question was, uh, is uh, how do we feel cargo is gonna be moved around in the future? Is in a hangar, yeah. you know, like hang, basically yeah. a hangar, and and, yeah. and on the ground locations. Yeah. Um, well, the, the certainly the the beam. Well, uh, we're, we're all anxiously looking forward to that, especially with Nomad. You know, that would be mm. one. Uh, the, yeah, you know, so some, you know, just like it is in the real world, the crane, crane attachments, you know, kind of, you know, moving them on and off the ship, you know, grabbing like container style, uh, putting them on. I really don't want to see us you know, pushing these carts around because that will take forever. That's really for small ships and specialized cargoes. I really, yeah, I, I really believe that. I do think that forklifts are possible. Right? Forklifts yeah. would be interesting, and it would also be something you could take with you in a ship. Uh, I think there's value in that. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, and and the other thing, you know. The first thing I start to worry about is I go, oh, goodness, is this going to become, you know, like cargo loading simulator? Yeah. Um, And I think I've said this several times in the past few weeks or so. What I'm getting a clearer sense of from CIG or like a better understanding of or or maybe more comfort with is the idea that if something's not going to be a fun piece of gameplay, they will change it. And, you know, not to say that I blindly trust everything that CIG does, but at the same time, I think they've been really um, working hard to be in, in line with what people want out of, out of the game. And I think, I think we'll see that, um, 
be pretty fruitful part of the process. Um, so yeah, can um, I, that's can all I, my two cents. Can Go I ahead. amend one more thing onto my statement? Of course. So the question also geared around um, the gameplay of of the of the container systems, right? How we how we can stack and load things yeah. in an efficient way. I do think that the use of software tools in the game to optimize the capacity in a given space is going to be a factor that you're going to be able to do through that control panel. So a person who's actively building a load for a ship to come down and pick up will have a big role in how to fit that into the ship in the most cost-effective and efficient way and get every ounce of you know space out of it. Um, so I, I think that will be tied heavily to the to the hangar and the loading facilities versus the um, crew member on the ship figuring it out. Yeah. Well, and don't forget, you can pay you can Someone pay do people, it for you. and you might be able to. It might um, you might be able to get some people at a discount for a rush job versus right. You know the NPCs that are going to do it properly. Uh, and right the first time. So, stevedores. Yeah. Um, awesome. Uh, I I didn't have anything additional to um, to add to that besides what I've already said. Now he he had a second sort of question on yesterday's Jump Town Two. Um, how do you envision this to work with the extremely limited places to sell the kinds of goods obtained there? I see a business opportunity unless it's a bespoke commodity to stockpile from one of the other drug dens. What do you, what do you think? Seagard? Uh, absolutely. I think if you're, I think if you are um, in the game period based on the high and low profit sales and, or, you know, the high and lows on the sales, I think if you mm-hmm. stockpile certain, you know, certain items, I don't know that you'll impact the price massively, but I do think you'll impact your ability to sell it at an opportunity yeah. profit, right? I agree wholeheartedly there. Um, Is Jump Town 2 coming? Are we yeah, actually going to get that? Yeah, they, um, we don't know how, what it is. It, it might not be the same type of Jump Town, but they want to create something that recreates the... Fights and uh, the fighting and, and sort of the emergent gameplay that Jump Town created. Yeah, I would say that I would agree with Sigurd then. It definitely gonna be based on uh, you know supply demand and at any given mm-hmm. point. I can't think well, I mean that's the whole that's the speculation. Whole speculation yeah. is what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's the whole reason of. to have um you know, localized inventory and being able to store your wares for a while. Um, Cause if not, then why not just sell them immediately? Mm-hmm. Unless it's something that you're going to use, like, you know, yep. supplies. Um, so next question comes from us by uh, Cthulhu's disciple. Bloody um, yep. do you think sc will eventually have individual storyline quests if so how could they apply quanta 
to make the quests affect the entirety of the PU. For example, maybe killing one gangster in a larger organization. What do you think, Seagard? Hmm. Individualized story quests? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, they call them sometimes arcs, mm-hmm. you know, mission arcs. I think they, the universe could benefit from those immensely. Um, and I think that they could be things that are of a lower level, but they contribute immensely. Like, you know, let's take an example like Star Wars. Stealing mm-hmm. the Death, Death Star plans definitely was a mm-hmm. big deal, right? I mean, it was a big deal, but it was kind of a unknown aspect of, that made the first movies viable, right? Yeah. Until we saw the movie, we didn't realize how adventurous and whatever it was and how impactful and risky it was. So I yeah. think that would be the kind of arc you're talking about. Well, yeah. so what would be a difference between that and the missions that we have today? So if I could, if I could jump in, cause I, I feel like I have a, a pretty good sense of this. Um, it's not so much that they differ from the missions today, but they're maybe unique. So for instance, actually it, I, I can talk about it from a standpoint of this is something they've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the examples that they brought up a ton in the earlier days of the game was around our reputation system. And we're starting to see the early vestiges of how this is going to work, but the reputation system is going to live with you. So this runs through everything, including the, um, the, um, sort of, uh, life of death of a spaceman, Mm -hmm. because when you die, your, history uh carries on through your uh, your descendant essentially the person who inherits your things so the example that they always use is you just you one day stumble upon the dreaded um pirate the dread pirate roberts aka chris roberts but you stumble upon the dread pirate roberts now there's only one dread pirate roberts in the whole game and he may be procedurally generated but he's still Dread Pirate Pirate Roberts. Mm -hmm. If you kill the Dread Pirate Roberts, um, first and foremost, you may get a piece of loot that's unique to Dread Pirate Roberts. But then you also, in your journal, have that distinction as being the player who killed Dread Pirate Roberts. And this person, this NPC, will have its own history of who they killed in, in the verse and all these things. So, you know, there may be people who didn't um, survive Dread Pirate Roberts, who now could potentially, if they interacted with you in the game, see that you were the one who killed their nemesis, mm-hmm. um, someone who was plaguing them for a while. And so um, in that respect, it's not necessarily an individualized storyline so much as a recognition of everything that you've done within the game. And I do think you can have large scale impacts on the game. So for example, if you discover a new jump jump point between two locations, that supposedly is going to be a pretty rare occurrence, but one that you could potentially find, and it might be a more effective jump point. You might be able to, you know, you might find a jump point between Stanton Mm -hmm. and a system that you didn't know there was a jump point to. And so you don't have to go through pyro anymore that'll be known not just to you and in your own diary everyone will know that 
when they get the plans for the jump point, it'll say discovered by checkoff, um, mm-hmm. or, or there'll be a way to facilitate that. So I think a lot of it will still be procedural, but the sort of like your journey is going to be tracked and you're going to have a legacy. So that was, that was my 5,000 cents. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's really interesting. That, that, that's that's not a story line as I know it. That's a lot more interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I, I hate like the the quests, your typical in RPG quests. That I don't want to see in this game. Yeah. Uh, well, know. I mean, let's face it, what we what we dread is the idea of repetition and I think what CIG is trying to do is find a way to create something that feels genuinely bespoke or different every time through elements that can change up the experience. So dynamic, this is why it's like dynamic missions versus dynamic events. And, you know, I think it will be extremely successful um, if they can get it right. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. This is the, the huge appeal forever changing sandbox. You know, you don't know what you get. You know, every night is different. And that is a huge appeal of this game. It's like a box of chocolates, Gen A. Yeah. It is. <laughs> exactly. Anyone uh, have anything to add to that uh, yeah. question? I, I, no, I'm just I'm going to have to get off here soon. Well, we are almost done, Seaguard. Okay. Um, Final question comes to us from our good friend Einwein via email. Um, So it's been a while. And he said, haven't sent in a question for a while, but still listening every week. Still love hearing about SC and the most moderately okay trio ever. (laughs) From the most moderately okay trio ever. (laughs) We are mediocrity. (laughs) Did you show up and record your own voices? Check. <laughs> Check that one off. <laughs> um, seriously, you guys are super mediocre. <laughs> is what he said. Really? <laughs> he did say that, yeah. I love it. Mediocrity wait, is wait, my wait. middle name. Who, who, who was that again? Ivan. Oh, cool. <laughs> so then he says, so question. How do you guys think chat will work with different systems? Maybe they've said something about it, but can't seem to find anything on it. Will it be one general chat per system? You think? Um, that's pretty much it. What do you think? Yeah, the, the the AI. Wait, let me think. That the AI yeah, will filter out mediocre and only gonna allow us to say you're excellent. That's foremost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, ahead, so we're talking chat within uh, like text chat and things like yeah. that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to work much like the rate, like the uh, intercom system or the comm system does in the game now, which I'm a big fan of. There's a range, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've tested it. You can actually fly to a ship, talk to the guy next to you because uh, you're in the same group. And as you move farther and farther apart, it becomes less understandable and eventually drops off. Uh, mm-hmm. Same thing within the ship. Um, you know, ship intercom system works great, but if you want to talk to a guy on another ship and he's a system away or a planet away, it's, it doesn't work. Um, I, so I, I think that chat will work under the same rules. It's like having a telegraph versus, um, you know, a, a telephone or a video phone. Um, mm-hmm. 
maybe a little bit more range out of a chat. Um, but I think it's going to work in the same way. And if I'm understanding the question correctly, um, yeah, what I, I don't think you know, are. what I don't understand is how, like Discord is just such an e- e- efficient way of communicating right now, especially for larger groups and to have an enjoyable time. To go to the ship comms, we don't do it as much as I would like because we miss the fun of having all the people communicating, even if we're not on the same server. Right? I mean, mm. that's, you know, hell, we, heck, heck, that's what I said. We get on uh, and we talk, even if we're sitting in a parking lot waiting for a wife to come out from shopping or waiting to get a haircut. And we do it all the time using Discord. It's it's much more than just a game system. It's part of the, the heartbeat of our org. So yeah, I'm 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 wondering how that's gonna convert. Yeah, what do you what are your thoughts, Chekhov? Well, definitely. I mean, Discord it'll never go away because, uh, like. You know, it's it's not only about one game. It's just about us as a sort of an org, as a as a team or as friends, just kind of getting together and chatting. Regardless of where you are, we could be in the menu, we could be browsing the internet, the in YouTube. Uh, so Discord will never go away, but um, it would be certainly more immersive if we can really get the whole VoIP you know, going on a whole different level is just the, um, I, and I, I think we're really far from getting it right because uh, it's just the combination of it's such a resource hugger, right? We, we're dealing with frame rates and now you're layering on top a voice and yeah, it's tough. It's a tough one. It's, I guess it's the expense that they don't want to take, right? Mm. At the moment. You know, there's so many other priorities. That's yeah. that's why I see this really low on a total poem, especially the fact that they know everyone is using Discord. Right, right. Yeah. But, I, you know, I do see that, like, I would love to see it make make them, you know, if you're going to do a quest, that, you know, that quest limits you to just the intercom system for your ship or your radio on your ship. I think that would be great to get that immersion into that, that arc or that, that mission arc. Um, and I can see where it could really add the feeling of isolation for a group, small group. Um, I also would like to see, you know, you know, if there's enough of an advantage to being on a single ship, the group would all be on one ship, right? If, if we knew we were going to take out, let's say an endeavor and we were going to make, you know, as much money together as we would individually or even more because we've got a bigger ship, we would do that more often and use in-game comms more often. Um, right now, it just seems that it's better to have multiple small ships than a single big ship. Yeah, I, I would say also in-game comms just needs a lot of improvement and not just from the, not just from a, um, optimization standpoint but also even just making them more user friendly and making it easier to get somebody on in game comms Mm -hmm. and um i do think people will use it if there's a reason and i think they'll they'll find the reason it's just going to take a little time uh in terms of the actual question however i would say i think it's going to work 
very similar to what you said, Seaguard. The one thing I would say, or not the one thing, um, two things I would say. One, I think they'll sort of expanse it a little bit for the text comms where you can probably text com anyone. It just depends on how long it's going to take to get to them. So if it's across the system, it might, because I think they even said, now granted, I think this was Chris Roberts. So he says a lot of things, but I think he said, even with voice comms, you'll be able to send a voice com or a text com across the system or across multiple systems, but there'll be a communication delay, sometimes quite substantial communication delay. And so you might have to get a message out to a search party or a um, expedition, and it's going to take, you know, 15 minutes to, to reach them, right. similar to what they do in the expanse. The other thing I would say is that they haven't quite tapped into yet, that they will, is that will be dependent on the presence of comma rays, I think. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think comma rays, if a comma ray is knocked out, then I think it'll knock out our communications. Um, hence why you won't be able to coordinate against a pirate attack. Okay. And, you know, you'll have to be careful when a comma ray is knocked out. Uh, awesome. So those are all the questions, I guess, before we dive in to the end of, or before we conclude the episode, there was one thing I wanted to share with everyone. I mentioned it last week, but I wanted to give a little preview. We have a new segment, uh, eventually coming up when, um, Tavo has a little bit of extra time. Um, and since I mentioned that there's a whole, um, there's, uh, music around the, um, segment i wanted to play the the actual music that Cody oh, came cool. up with. i'm excited so, to hear this with with tavo He's yeah this is tavo's guy. tips so this is this is the seg- this mm. is what we'll announce the segment when we have it that's really neat we like it So it sounds like the Russian army going to war. (laughs) Or the ROC going to the Olympics. (laughs) Exactly. Four people. I know. They don't know who who they compete for. (laughs) Instead of their country anthem, was it like Tchaikovsky's fifth or something? Um, yeah, so that I thought that was really great and I just wanted to share it earlier yeah. rather than later. Awesome. Um, as always, Cody, thank you, you Cody. That was great. Yeah, you make some incredible stuff. I didn't even know that was happening and Tavo was like, Hey, by the way, I'm still working on this. <laughs> um, so, uh, good stuff. Now, uh, as always, if you have any, anything to submit to the show, whether it's a question, whether it's an answer to, um, one of our questions, etc. You can always do so by um, submitting them via email at readcastsc at gmail.com. DM our Twitter handle at readcastsc. You could submit a message. It's a voice message through Anchor. Uh, you could join our Readcast Discord. And last but not least, we have a, a number, a Google Voice number that you can text or leave a voicemail, 646-783-8154. 
Uh, Seagard, what's your question for next week? So the question, uh, actually, I'll read it off of uh, the post. It involves a ship of of uh, tarnished reputation and, and a general malaise of uh, bad feelings, I think. But the question, I, I think it's a ship that has great potential, especially after the new mod. So the question is, as either a lawful or a pirate scum player, how do you plan on utilizing the RSI Mantis? Consider both on the attack and the defense. Oh, that's a great question, Seaguard. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah, I'm, um, gonna, I'm actually going to go in and try it in the arena, Commander. I have a feeling it's going to be about like the uh, the art of the card to wall, but a little more rugged. Uh, hmm. It's got basically the same weapons, a little bit smaller, but you know, high volume power or uh, laser weapons. Yeah. I look forward to hearing those responses from everyone. Um, also, uh, folks, you know, as I mentioned, Cody uh, just created that that new theme as well. Um, if you do want to check out some of the rest of his and Calibri's musical stylings, you can see a link to their. Um, why do I always forget what it's called? I'm like Bandcamp. It's not Bandcamp. Um, their their site for their music for the soundtrack that they've been creating slowly but surely, and then. Um, we do have other content creators. So uh, Earth has a YouTube um, channel that you can take a look at. He has a lot of great content on there as well. So take a look at that. Um, and if you are looking for uh, that friendly group of cuddle bugs or uh, what is it that Kilgore calls us? Care Bears? Care Bears. <laughs> if, you're looking, if you're looking for some Care Bears to, to hug a, across the verse, um, you know, take a look at Reed. We we stand for research and engineering through exploration and discovery, and that wraps up another week of Readcast. Yeah. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in, and have a great uh, week. Car- yeah, have a good uh, carpool or yeah. a car ride and a commute, and, and uh, hope we uh, entertain you. Um, hope you love our mediocre podcast. (laughs) Hopefully this mediocrity is keeping you afloat. (laughs) 59 years of mediocrity. (laughs) (laughs) Maintaining my face. (laughs) 